The title of the message this morning is, So What's the Big Deal About Sin? You're probably wondering where we're going to go with this. For me, the last week or so, as I've been studying and reading the scriptures and praying over this passage, I have been extremely convicted. So, if I always tell people, or when I'm speaking, I'm talking to myself. If it applies to you, listen in and allow the Lord to work in your heart like he does in mine. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Before the start of Jesus' earthly ministry, John the Baptist prepared his way. He said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus' first words when he began his earthly ministry were found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Luke chapter 5, verse 32, it says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In Luke 24, 47, Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. In his name, to all generations, beginning from Jerusalem. For an unbeliever, who God is drawing to himself, as it says in John chapter 6, verse 44, sin is a big deal. It's the most significant issue to be dealt with. It is literally, as we know... <laughs> From Scripture, a matter of life and of death. Sin must be dealt with in order to be regenerate, right? To be saved, to have the mind of Christ, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 2. There must be sorrow and grief about our sin that produces a repentance that leads to salvation, that Paul also talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. For the unbeliever, sin must be a big deal. Sin must be dealt with. It's not by the sinner's good works, right? But by the one who was sinless, who came to pay and to forgive sins, to pay the penalty for sins, and to take away sins. But what about the believer? What about, I would contend, most of us? Those that are regenerate, those who are saved, those who are born again, those who have the mind of Christ, those who are a new creation. What's the big deal about their sin or our sin? After all, Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm a believer. God's forgiven me. Yeah, I've got some sin issues, right? You know, it's my upbringing. It's, you know, my growing up, my parents. I mean, some of the things I receive from them. And hey, it's just my personality, and I've got these challenges. And yeah, God and I are good. The blood of Christ covers it all. <laughs> Besides, nobody's perfect, right? I will say this morning, as I say for myself, to you as I say to myself, if that's our attitude about sin... We are in for a rude awakening <laughs> as we look at this passage in 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 4 through 
through 10. Would you please turn there? And would you stand with me as we read the Word of God this morning? I'll be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Follow along as I read. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because, his, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother. Please be seated as I pray. Father God, use our time. May it be beneficial. May your word penetrate our hearts. May it change us. May it grow us in this knowledge and understanding of you. And Father, I thank you as we embark upon looking at this passage. I thank you for the wonderful gift of salvation. I thank you for the fact that you paid the penalty for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Thank you, Lord. Bless our time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. John was the last remaining apostle. He was one of the 12 original disciples. John walked with Jesus. John talked with Jesus. John, I don't really get all this, but reclined and ate with Jesus. We don't do those things these days. He was ministered to directly by the infinite God-man, Jesus Christ. He witnessed Jesus' miracles. He says at the end of his gospel, too many to count. The world couldn't hold the books that would have all the things that Jesus did. John saw Jesus crucified and die on the cross. John 19, verse 26 tells us that. He was obedient to Jesus when Jesus instructed him out as he was on the cross to care for his mother, Mary. He saw the resurrected Lord. He was at the ascension when Jesus went into heaven in Acts chapter 1. 
John was the one who Jesus referred to as the one he loved. Who better to be used by God to express to the first century churches, to the church today, and to refute false teachers of that day as well as today about behavior and attitudes that represents true salvation and answers the question, so, what's the big deal about sin? In verse 10 of 1 John chapter 3, we see an overview of this passage. We see two types of people addressed. Two types of children they're referred to. Children of God and children of the devil. He says in verse 10, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. John gives a very clear distinction. There's no ambiguity here. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. There's no kind of like in-between deal going on here. We see it throughout John's writings. These distinctions. Talking about those who walk in darkness and those who now walk in the light. Those who were dead and now there's, they are alive. It's not a multiple choice issue. <laughs> Either you're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. That's harsh, but true. Verse 4 of 1 John 3, John makes it very clear. If there's any question as to whether or not sin is a big deal or not, he says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So what is lawlessness? It's not just that sin manifests itself in disregard for God's law. Lack of obedience, right? But that sin is in its very nature lawlessness. Lawlessness is the essence not the result of sin. It's at the core. It's lawlessness. It's utter disregard for God and His laws. It's the idea of not believing in God and acknowledging His right to rule one's life. This is a huge issue, right? When you talk about repenting of sins, when you talk about turning your life over to Christ. Why would I do that? <laughs> I'm my own person. I do my own thing, right? It's not just here missing the mark. It's not messing up a little bit, right? It's rebellion against God and His will and obeying His commandments. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, 
The scriptures tell us, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. If that's true, and brothers and sisters, let me stress, and again, Pastor Jason, Pastor Mike, Pastor Brett, we continue to express this. Teach your kids where we came from. They are bombarded with garbage every single day. I don't care how young about this whole evolutionary process. We were created by God. God created us, right? If we don't get that right, we have a hard time grasping this right for him to rule (laughs) and his law being perfect and his law being right. He created us. If that's true, he has the right to make the rules. That can sound harsh as well, but not when you think of it that he knows what's best for his creation because he loves us. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is, no, no, there is none who does good. Question. Do we view... Do I view my sin ultimately as lawlessness? Think for a moment, as I think, (laughs) this past week. Can sins that you have committed and confessed before the Lord, maybe multiple times, do I see that as lawlessness? John tells us in verse 6, No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Verse 8, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Verse 9, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Based on those verses, sin is obviously a very big deal. Now let's make sure as we look at this passage that we articulate what John is not saying. Before we can look at what he is saying. He is not talking about sinless perfection. Thank the Lord, right? We all can say. Verse 8 of chapter 1 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Chapter 1, verse 10 says, If we say we we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. 
And we know the wonderful verse in verse 9, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's also not talking about some super special type of Christian. We have two categories here, right? We have children of God and we have children of the devil. Now, there's varying degrees of maturity within that, right, as children of God. In fact, John talked about that in um, the second chapter in verses 12 through 14. He talks about this idea of maturity, about children, about young men and becoming fathers, right? Children acknowledge their sin and trust in Christ. But young men, over time, they have battled against Satan, (laughs) sin. They're killing it. They're putting it to death. They're dealing with it. They are, have overcome the evil one. They're young men. And then fathers, they just flat know God and trust God for everything. So what is John saying in this passage? Children of God don't make a practice of sinning. Children of God don't sin habitually. That's convicting. The scripture is clear about how children of God are to deal with sin. It's radical. It's not harboring it. It's not kind of tiptoeing around it. It's not coddling it. Well, you know, that's just the way I am. You know, my upbringing, the things that I've gone through. You know, it's just, just, what, it's just the way I am. You just have to take me for who I am. Colossians 3.5. Put to death. That's pretty extreme, right? That's not coddling it. That's not, well, you know, let me think through this. It's killing it. Therefore, what is earthly in you? Any of these things come to mind? For you, like they do me? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Any of that resonate? Paul says to the church at Colossae, put it to death. Kill it. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, which are faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Flee from sin. 1 Corinthians 6.18 Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Romans 6.12 Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't let Satan or don't let sin, I'm sorry, rule us. Don't let him dominate us. Scripture is clear as to how that is possible. And John tells us. He says in verse 5, You know that he appeared to take away sins. And in him, there is no sin. 
In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 29, says, Behold, the Lamb of God who, what? Takes away the sin of the world. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 21, says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. His imputed righteousness that's been credited to us. Remember who John is talking to. He's talking to regenerate people. He's talking to people who are born again. He's talking about people who are of the new creation. He's talking about people who have the mind of Christ. He's talking to people who have a new nature. Brothers and sisters, our identity is in Christ. And in Him, there is no sin. Verse 9 John says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Romans chapter 6 verse 11 tells us, So you also must consider yourself, listen, dead. Sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. As a result, we are now able to practice righteousness produced by the Holy Spirit in us, desiring to live righteously and the ability to live righteously. Look what verse 7 says. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. John is saying, this is our new practice. This is our new way of life. We're making a habit of living righteously. No longer making it a habit to live sinfully. Does that mean everything we do is righteous? No. Does that mean we don't sin? No. But it's our habit to live righteously. It's our habit not to continue to sin. And let's give the nuance of that as well. Catching it. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Knowing that if I go there, that's going to cause certain things to well up in me. And I'm probably going to sin not going there. Because we have a new nature, we have the capacity to think through that and say, I'm not going there. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to watch that. Because it leads me down somewhere that I know I will sin. I don't want to practice sinning. I don't want that to be a habit of mine. I can choose to live righteously. Verse 9 says, how does that all happen? For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot 
keep on sinning because he has been born of God. We are a new creation. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. We can't misinterpret that, right? In light of this passage. Not talking about physical healing. Of course, we pray for physical healings. But we don't always get healed. And even if we get healed from this and that and the other thing, we will eventually die unless the Lord returns, right? But by his wounds, you have been healed. Our sin has been paid for, right? We are eternally God's child. We will spend all of eternity with him. That's the context. That's the meaning of by his wounds you have been healed. Titus 3, 4 through 5. I think Heidi read this this morning. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Look what we get. Galatians 2, Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, what is that? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You don't need the rules. You're adhering to what God wants you to do. The fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Romans 6, 19 says, I am speaking to you in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members, your bodies, as slaves to impurity and to, here's that word, lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, right? Lawlessness, the essence of sin. Lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members, your bodies, as slaves to what? Righteousness. Leading to sanctification. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 3.18, about this idea of growing and from one level of glory to the next. Perfection, no. Sinning still, yes. But being mindful of that it's not a practice, it's not our habit. We confess it. 
There might be a besetting sin that we all struggle, that we struggle with. You know what yours are. I know what mine are. But that's not a license to say, hey, it's just the way it is. And I'm just going to deal with this for the rest of my life. Yes, I do deal with it the rest of my life. But I confess it. I have other people hold me accountable about it. I at times weep over it. God, this is lawlessness. God, help me. Strengthen me. Encourage me. Give me the strength that I need to overcome. Verse 6 of 1 John 3. John says, No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. The idea here of abiding is to remain, to stay around, to hang around Christ. Abide in him. John 15 goes on and on about abiding in Him, abiding in Him, abiding in Him. Romans 13, 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desire, preemptively killing it. You and I know things that we can do, things that we can start talking about, Things that we can watch, places that we can go. Where uh, I know this path, I know where it's taken me. Preemptively, because I see my sin as lawlessness. <laughs> to stop that. To meditate on the truth of God's word. To study it. To focus my attention on Christ and what he did on the cross for me. Colossians 3.10 I'm sorry, Ephesians 4.24 says, And put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3.10, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly teaching and admonish one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts, letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. You know what that means, don't you? That means reading it and rereading it and reading it again and memorizing it and rereading it and rereading it and rereading it. Not in some legalistic way. Hey, this is going to please God if I just keep rereading this and I memorize a hundred verses, then we're good. No, we do that so that we do not sin. We do that so we're focusing our attention on righteousness, not on sinfulness. The habit of righteousness, not on the habit of sinfulness. Letting the word of Christ dwell, dwell in us. Don't, don't come and say, you know what? And again, we'll talk about this in a minute. Hey, I accepted Jesus. We're good. The Christian life is a life. It's not a moment in time. It's a moment in time for justification. Sanctification is a long time if you live to 80 or 90 years old and you became a Christian at 7 or 8. It's a long time. If you became a Christian when you were 70 and you died at 72, it wasn't very long. But it's not a moment in time. It's a continuous process, not of becoming more saved, but becoming more like Christ. And being obedient to Christ. 
and killing sin and seeing sin for what it is and not to habitually continue doing it and to habitually walk in righteousness. Psalm 119.11 says, I've stored up your word in my heart. Why? To be legalistic? And that's what I'm supposed to do? That I might not sin against you. (laughs) Because I know what sin costs you, Lord. And John knew what that was. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus in the sense when he was dying on that cross for his sins. And for the sins of the world. 1 Corinthians 10.13 And I'll just say this personally. I'm ashamed to admit, but I say this verse multiple times a day. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful not to allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation to provide a way of escape that you might be able to endure it. Do we think that way? Or it's sin. Hmm. Jesus paid the penalty for that. What's the big deal? Let's move on. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? Because sin was a big deal. And sin is a big deal. It was ultimately to satisfy God's wrath. But in this passage, we see two reasons. Verse 5, he appeared to take away sins. Verse 9, the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. So what are the works of the devil? We see it throughout Scripture. John addresses it many times. Sin, rebellion, temptation. Ruling the world, persecution, accusing the saints, promoting false teaching, the power of death. I wonder when this epistle was penned, if John would have been reminded of John chapter 6, I'm sorry, John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And has nothing to do with the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and a father of lies. The context of 1 John, there is an addressing of false teaching about who are true children of God. If his character is a murderer and a liar, what was his desire for those folks that would have been hearing and being taught to through the word of God? 
this letter to murder them, to kill them, for them to be eternally damned to hell, right? This is desire for us. He's a liar. His character is to lie. How many people think they're children of God and they're not? Based on some criteria that the evil one has magnified because he's a liar. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you're wondering about, not that you think you might, or I hope I do, that you may know that you are truly a child of God. What does a child of God look like? John tells us in verse 4, verse 6, verse 8, verse 9, they don't habitually sin. Verse 10, they love one another. In fact, from verse 11 on to the end of the chapter, talks about loving our brothers, loving our sisters. You know, when you think about those two things, that is the beauty of the church. We're all sinners, saved by grace. But when we sin against another brother or sister, there's conviction. Confession. God, I, I, I want this to be dealt with. What do we do for communion? If we've wronged a brother, go to them before communion, before remembering the Lord in the Lord's Supper. And then we go and confess to the Lord. We confess to that brother or sister. And we love each other. And our relationship becomes better. Might be a little tense, but as time goes on, it becomes better. Why? Because we're not habitually sinning. We're confessing those things. We dealt with those things. We love one another. That's the beauty of the church. That's how we deal with issues within the church. And the third thing that he talks about in his letter, children of God love God's law. And keep his commandments. Obedience. If you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will obey me. Time and time again, you see that in 1 John. Listen to what Romans 7, 22 says. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Go read Psalm 119. All 170, is it 75 or 76 verses? It's all about loving his law, delighting in his precepts, loving his testimonies, loving the truth. Remember, practicing lawlessness is hating the law. Now as a new creation, 
We love the law. Listen to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verses 2 through 4. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Three questions. And this is to answer. Do we sin? Yes, we do. Do we have to sin? No. Do we have the power to say no to sin? Yes, absolutely. We have the power to say no to it. Pastor Brett read this passage, this Old Testament passage in Ezekiel 36. Let me read it again. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Is that prophetic truth from Ezekiel true in your life today? I want to challenge you in something, and this isn't a difficult challenge, but it's a period of time challenge. You've always heard it said that if you want to develop a new habit, you do it for how long? How long? 21 days. I challenge you. Seven verses. When you get up in the morning, read those verses. Don't just read them, meditate on those verses. What does that mean? What is John talking about here? This isn't meant to beat ourselves up, that, oh, I sin. Yes, we sin. But what do we do with it? Do we deal with it? Do we address it? Do we confess it? Do we have other people? Do we share those things with other people? Do we have them come alongside of us? Hey, ask me about how my thought life is. Hey, ask me about this. Hey, ask me about Am I spending time abiding in Christ? Am I spending time letting the word of Christ dwell in me richly? Hold me accountable in that. And to pray, God, strengthen me today. Help me to act in obedience. Help me to live righteously. And when the sin comes, confess it. Kill it. Flee from it. Put it to death. And you get this, right? I'm talking to me, okay? I'm talking to me. If it fits with you, which I know it does, because we all struggle with the same stuff. 
this thing called the flesh. But we are a new creation, and we need to focus our attention on that, that we are a new creation. And then at the end of the day, perhaps to confess those sins that we maybe failed to during the course of the day, but to read those seven verses again and to be encouraged by them and to walk in newness of life. As we close, if you're not a child of God, based on the things that we've talked about, please come and talk with me or talk with Pastor Brett or Pastor Mike or somebody you're here with. Get that dealt with. Talk about those things. Hey, I'm struggling with this. You know, Hey, I'm not getting the things that you're talking about. Come and love to talk with you about that. But also be mindful. This is not meant to question your faith. This is not meant to have you, oh, am I saved? Am I a child of God? Or am I a child of the devil? That's not what it's about. It's about examining ourselves. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourself to make sure you're in the faith. Be thinking this way. Don't bank on 20 years ago, I was at a concert and I accepted Jesus and I had goosebumps running up and down my spine and I felt like I'm saved. But you haven't walked with Christ for 20 years. Don't bank on that. Please. Satan is a liar. He's a deceiver. He wants us going back to those moments in time. But are we walking with Christ today? I believe, and we teach in our church, once saved, always saved. But the issue is, where are you today? Where am I today? Am I walking with Christ today? That's the issue. Am I habitually sinning today? Or am I habitually walking in righteousness today? Lord, help me to work. Help me to be more of what you desire to me me to be. Don't rely on something years ago. And if we have family members, challenge them on that. Hey, I know he's good. He's not walking with the Lord. Hasn't for 20 years. But I remember when he was at Bible school and he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Don't bank on that. Talk to them about regeneration. Talk to them about being born again. Talk to them about being a new creation. Talk to them about what it means to be a Christian. And pray. And pray. If this stuff doesn't resonate, pray. God, draw me to yourself. Because we know John 6.44 is what it's all about. It's not about anything that anybody says to anybody. It's about God drawing people to himself. And if you're not there, pray that prayer. Lord, I don't get this, but I, I believe there's a God. I believe that he created me. And yeah, I know I sin. And yeah, God, I'm just not sure I get all this. Please draw me to yourself. Pray that prayer. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I pray, I pray, I pray, Lord, that the things we've talked about are 100% completely based on your truth. I know your word is truth. Pray that interpretation of your word is truth. 
God, that if it isn't, that it would be quickly forgotten. But if it is, may it embed in our heart and may it change us. May it change me. Lord, help us to not habitually sin. Lord, help us to be sensitive to that still, quiet voice. Steve, don't do that. You're thinking the wrong thing. This is going to lead you down the wrong path. God, bring those things to mind in each of our hearts. And give us the strength to say no. To walk away. To divert our eyes. To divert our mind. To divert our our thinking. To shut our mouths. And walk away. God, grow us in your knowledge and understanding. Lord, we love your law. Lord, it's not about adhering to your rules. It's about being all you desire us to be. You know what's best for me. You know what's best for us. May we rejoice in that. May we gain strength in that. May we worship you for that. And Father, I pray that if there's anybody here that does not know you in a personal way, that they are not a new creation, that they are not regenerate, that they're not born again, that they're not saved. All the terminology that we, that we talk about, but they know in their heart they're not right with you. Lord, may they make that commitment today. And Father, may we share our faith not just with the guy down the street that we don't know, of which we need to, but the people that are in our life that aren't walking with you. Give us boldness, give us sensitivity, give us the words to say that you can work in people's lives. We love you, we worship you, we praise you, and we give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.